Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing multi-asset investing. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined by Mark Richards, Head of Multi-Asset Flexible and Absolute Return. Welcome, Mark, and thanks for joining me. Hello, Dan. Pleasure. So, Mark, let's talk about the economy. Let's talk about the markets. I think one of the key themes, and I don't know if this is unprecedented, but it does seem unusual. We all seem, I think, to expect a recession. You can certainly find indicators in the market that suggest it's coming. However, it never seems to quite get here. It's been referred to as the Godot recession, though, of course, Godot never shows up. And I think we think the recession does at some point. And Part of the confusion, perhaps, that that's generated is, on one hand, you know, generally, I think we've seen better than expected growth, uh, certainly in Europe. Uh, Europe definitely beating expectations after what we all feared would happen uh, at the beginning of last year. On the other hand, perhaps some disappointment vis-a-vis China, where we haven't had the growth that we were looking for. And of course, related to all of this is what's happening with interest rates, because fundamentally, you assume the central banks are raising interest rates in order to slow down growth, and whether that leads to the recession is the big question. Let's start then with the Fed. Markets seem to be pricing the Fed at the end of its cycle, looking for cuts from the Fed reasonably soon. How do you assess that expectation, and what do you think the impact on the economy of the hikes has been up to now? I think if we go back, it feels like it's been about 12 months since kind of recession has been the base case for most multi-asset investors and, and macroeconomists. I think what's important to focus on is the, the different sectors of the economy, how each of those respond to the change in interest rates we've already seen, and how important they are for the reaction function of the Fed and other central banks. So to go through a few of the major components of the economy, starting with the most rate sensitive, which is typically the housing market. In terms of proportion of GDP, housing peaked probably two and a half years ago in the US in terms of residential construction. We've seen a fairly abrupt material detraction from growth over that period of time. And now that rates have stabilized with the market expecting some rate cuts, you've seen activity in the housing market pick up. Now, typically the sequencing of the economy's reaction to interest rate hikes is pretty straightforward. The rate sensitive areas of the market or economy move first. And then at the end of that, the labor market moves at the end. So the bull case for the equity market and multi-asset investors has been predicated on the fact that despite all these interest rate hikes, despite you know, one of the most aggressive tightening cycles we've ever seen, the labor market has really been bulletproof. Now, the risk of having recession as a base case for 12 months is that people give up pretty easily now that the housing market has stabilized and in some measures has been improving so far this year in the US. We think that would be too bold a step to take in terms of giving up on the recession view. And what we're actually seeing now in terms of the details of the labor market in the US is some signs of it's cracking. So I think that there's certainly elements of the economy to be optimistic about. Housing, construction, resilience, some of the consumption data. We had retail sales beat expectations earlier this week. But I do think some of the leading components of the labor market, things like hours worked, overtime hours, temporary employment, some of the more cyclical sectors of the economy have certain signs of weakening. So you've talked about kind of what seem to be contradictory indications or perhaps different than we've had historically. And I think if 
generally, if we try to assess the current environment, I think it's safe to use the word unprecedented, which often we use, things always seem to be unprecedented, but it, it honestly is this time, insofar as, if, you know, of course we had the pandemic, that's not unprecedented, sadly that's happened in the past. But having a global pandemic, plus massive quantitative easing, massive fiscal stimulus, that combination certainly we haven't seen before. And I think one that makes it quite difficult uh, to understand what's going on, and then to perhaps messes up some of these historical signals that we've looked to. So raises a question for me, how might this cycle be potentially different? Because the environment clearly is different. So there's the typical business cycle analysis that we've kind of gone through. And then there's kind of looking for what are the structural imbalances that are always pretty different from one cycle to the next. So you can go back to huge speculative activity around the tech bubble bursting, massive household indebtedness around the GFC. This time, it's pretty clear that the imbalance is in the undersupply of labor coming out of the pandemic, number one. And number two, the desynchronized emergence of the pandemic itself. So clearly, the three major building blocks or the three major areas of the economy, US, Europe, and China, kind of came out of COVID at a different pace and a different time. And I think that's really messed up supply chains. And at the same time, as the kind of companies have had a lot of problems managing supply chains, probably building up inventory a little bit too much. And also given the difficulties they had in hiring coming out of COVID, have maybe hoarded labor because of that uncertainty. Obviously, the big structural change in this cycle has been inflation, partly the function of those supply chains, partly a function of other longer run secular forces around demographics and deglobalization. But I think it's those three elements. It's the undersupply of labor, the desynchronized nature of the economy, and the structural change in the inflation backdrop. What's very interesting from the current situation we're at at the moment, if we think about you know, the focus for equity markets, the focus for a lot of investors is the strong profit performance we've seen, both coming out of COVID and even in recent, recent quarters where profits are beating expectations. I think the way that we should analyze that is how much is pricing power and how much is volume. We've never really had to cope with this problem in the past kind of 20, 30 years because we've had a structural low inflation environment. So you've only had to really care about the real side of the economy. Now with structurally higher inflation, it's a bit harder to disentangle. But to go through some of the sectors, some of the company statements in the reporting seasons, it's pretty clear that pricing power has been dominating. And if you think about the way that the economy behaves, it's much easier for a company to pass through a price hike if inflation is running at five, six, seven, eight percent than it is if it's running at one or two percent. And I think what we're seeing at the moment is that inflation momentum is coming off a little bit. And I think as we move into to Q3 and Q4, you'll see a lot more focus and actually the volume data has been a bit softer. And I think that's a concern because companies have been able to hoard labor because profitability has been so strong. Without that support of supernormal profits, they'll probably play a bit close attention to what their labor force is. And that can then bring about that key pillar of the bull case on the economy can start to, to fall away. So then the last shoe to drop then of the labor market finally, exactly. finally starting to weaken. Well, you're a portfolio manager, so your job ultimately here is, is to pick the assets that you anticipate are going to outperform even in this unprecedented environment. So we think about kind of high level case for equities, for bonds, for commodities. On one hand, you know, honestly, high inflation isn't such a big problem for equities. We've seen that in, in the results we've had. Uh, on the other hand, if the Fed is going to be cutting rates, not so bad for fixed income either. So what's your assessment of how markets are likely to move in the next few months? I think there's two additional wild cards that 
we should perhaps touch upon in the very near term. So we've had clearly debt ceiling debates in the US and we've had the issue around regional banks for the last two months. It's my expectation that both of those can be resolved without them being systemic. And that can provide some degree of relief rally to risk assets and some near-term selling off in fixed income, in government bonds. But I think both of those will provide opportunities to go the other way. So the sell-off in fixed income as kind of the concerns about the impact of regional banks on the economy abates and some of the concerns around the debt ceiling drama abates will provide an opportunity. So through the second half of this year, we'll be looking to add to more of the kind of defensive positions within fixed income and reduce some of the positions we have in equity markets. And that, to some degree, in anticipation of also the slowdown that exactly. at some point we, we exactly. think still will arrive. Well, that's great, Mark. Let me summarize some of the key points you shared with us. You highlighted how we seem to have varied, if we can say, uh, economic data at some point into strength, such as, say, the housing market, which is picking up now after a couple of years of declines due to high interest rates. On the other hand, labor market's still quite resilient, but potentially weakening. And fundamentally, the challenges that uh, companies are facing, investors are facing, driven by the imbalances we have in the labor market and difficulties in managing supply chains and then the inflation that's resulted from all of that. As you think about the outlook, some wild cards, of course, the debt ceiling, the problems we already have seen and likely will continue to see with the regional banks in the U.S. Nonetheless, do you think there's a potential for those to be resolved, which might then promote a relief rally in risk assets, but you would look at that point perhaps to go in the other direction and you anticipate getting more defensive perhaps over the course of the year. Well, Mark, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Dan. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. Viewpoint brings commentary and analysis in a variety of formats from investment outlooks to asset allocation videos and podcasts to help investors make better informed decisions. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris and Mark Richards. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.